Chit Chat and Chai family and friends. Hope you're all doing well. We're so excited to celebrate the month of February. We have Black History Month and Valentine's Day. What does love is love mean? It simply means that love transcends all boundaries. Same-sex marriages and relationships are also based on love, companionship, and respect. However, many cultures and people still have a hard time accepting same-sex couples and or people who identify in the LGBTQ community. Today, we have Mala and Ritu, who are both parents of children who identify as LGBTQ, and we're going to be talking to them about their journey when their kids came out, and as the special treat, we also have their children on the podcast. We will come to that shortly and introduce their kids, but first, let's take a look at some stats. 14% of LGBTQ youth report that they had slept away from parents or caregivers because they were kicked out or abandoned, with 40% reporting that they were kicked out or abandoned due to their LGBTQ identity. Number two, up to 1.6 million young people experience homelessness in the United States every year. A good 40% of them identify as LGBT. And number three, there is a higher rate of health and mental health problems among LGBTQ teens than in the heterosexual community. Fingering social rejection as the culprit and another major cause, which is parental rejection. So, Mala and Ritu, please share with us when your son and daughter first told you about their sexual identity, and what were your reactions, your thoughts, and your feelings? I found out, I don't know how long ago, but it took me a long time. Anna told me, and it came as a total shock. So I was just like, oh, it's okay. I said, no, no, it's okay, Vikra. Then that was it. I, I think I just put it at the back of my mind, and we didn't talk about it for... I want to say at least four or five years. It was there, but it was like, maybe I didn't hear him right. Maybe I misunderstood or, and I'm very, honestly, very ashamed of myself for having taken this long, accept it or get help for it or talk to him about it. But yeah, it was a, it was a shock. Me too. I mean, I knew Sita was struggling with some things, um, specifically what it was, I did not know. She was on the East Coast. Um, she'd confided in our younger daughter, Anjali, a um, couple of cousins. Her herself speaking up was very difficult, so she had Anjali tell us, and she was on the phone with us at the time. I was shocked, but I think I was somewhat relieved also to know that this is what she's been struggling with. And I kind of went silent kind of similar to Mala. And I think that made her feel even more alienated, which really going back wasn't my intention, but I was like, I don't know. I just didn't have, like, I felt frozen. At that time, it was more that, oh my God, she's been struggling with this thing that I know has been taking a while on her. And I just couldn't figure out what it was that she was going through. So part of it was relief to know that this is what ultimately it came to. And then my silence kind of came in between a little bit. So both of you are saying you did not have an inclination that they identified with the LGBTQ community before they came out. I did not. I actually had some feelings because Sita kind of talked a little bit, not specifically going there, but there were some conversations that we had that um, I had a feeling that that could be something. I didn't pinpoint it exactly that this is what it is until she came out with it. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. And that's why I think it just put me in shock mode. But what I want to know is like, so this was Ritu's in my remembrance of what happened. I'd love to hear from Sita and Anand. What did they think after they told us? What were you feeling? 
Sita, why don't you go first? So I feel like I can laugh a little bit about it now because there's some distance and time. And it's funny because I was like, I was like 25. I was at Brown and I was in a very liberal, California is extremely liberal and everything. But I think being there was the first time I actually ever started telling friends and people that I was like in school with. So to me, I was like, okay, I think I'm just ready. It was almost like a weight lifted off my shoulder because I told Anjali early 20s. So I kind of told Anjali, I was like, I kind of just want to let this all out now. And there was nothing really compelling. It wasn't like I was dating anyone. There was literally just like, I want to be done with this secret now. I outsourced it to Anjali. I wish I had more courage to do so. Looking back, I actually think Anjali is a very diplomatic and calm person. So having her ease them into this might have been better instead of me being so emotional. It was like a huge release of like tons of emotion. I was crying. Just, oh, I'm done with that secret. Interesting. And I think kind of funny now looking back. And I think it's, it's funny how we remember the same memory in totally different ways. I, I, for me, same thing with you, Sita. I think it was just this bubbling up of like pressure and mom knows my personality. I, I, I get very annoyed by things very easily. And this was just like, it had built and built and built where I was like, I'm just annoyed of this now, like carrying this around every time I wanted to do it. And then I would be like, oh, well, it's not a great weekend for mom and dad. They have a wedding or, you know what? No, her birthday's next week. I don't want to ruin her birthday. There was yeah. always a thing that it was just like, I'm not going to do this because it will ruin their moment or day or time or year mm -hmm. until it got to the point where I was just carrying this. And I think it was age 27, 28. Mm -hmm. I had come home and I had made the decision to tell my sister and then immediately tell my mom right after that. So I think Sita and I, you have that in common that we look for our mm -hmm. allies in our siblings mm -hmm. and hope for the best there, right? Because I think that's mm -hmm. our first indication of how strong right. we're be able to do this. Litmus test. Exactly. And that's really like our, our getting our battle mm -hmm. for forces ready to kind of go to war, mm -hmm. essentially. So I told my sister and she was she was cool. The next day I decided to tell mom and, and I had spent years thinking about this moment once it happens yeah i was no longer in control of this story secret right. whatever it is mm -hmm. i i am relinquishing that control now reactions right. comments of course uh, everything and so i decided to tell mom while i was driving and i'm going to drive the car i'm going to tell her while i'm driving because at that way i'm in control of the vehicle i'm mm -hmm. in control of the conversation and i don't have to look at her if this doesn't go well and if she okay. says something crazy i just say i'm focusing on the room mm -hmm. it was my way of saying this is still my moment but you get to be a part of this, but like, don't make me crash my car, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't know I needed that, but I needed some sense of control. Yeah. I think the reaction was kind of similar to what mom said. It was a, it was a silence, a teen second silence, and then some questions like, who else knows? Um, you know, how many people know? Do you want to tell more people? You know, some small right, expected right. questions. But then there was also a comment that stuck with me. Don't tell your dad right now. And that's fine. I won't say anything until you're ready because I need my battle forces ready because for me, dad was the ultimate war. And so I said, great, no problem when you're ready. And then it was the five years of, of no one acknowledging it. Right. And so that was mom's time to kind of grapple and understand this. And that's okay. Every, every parent deserves the time. I had 16 years to think about this. Mom had 15 seconds and everyone's going to have a different journey. What stuck with me is a little different than mm -hmm. what stuck with mom. She might have some guilt for that. I don't necessarily put that on her, but I remember a feeling of keep this quiet until I know what to do with this. I have a question for both of you. Um, Anand, you said you took mom and told her, why did you only pick mom first and not both of them together? And I think Sita, you told both of them together. To me, dad was the one that I wasn't sure how this was going to go. I needed advocates behind me in case it went really badly. I also lived away from California. I lived in New York at the time. And, and my thought process was I'm about to drop a bomb on the family. And then I'm, I'm catching a flight in a couple days. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to clean up any mess mm -hmm. that comes out of this 
this. And so I needed to know that my mom and sister would be able to help me with dad mm -hmm. should that have happened. Look, I think for me, dad was just the one I was the least confident in his reaction. And we'll get into what happened six years later. But uh, yeah, that's how I start. I wanted to build up my foundations. It was interesting actually looking back. So before this, before I moved, mom and dad had actually completely unknowingly maybe separately asked me a question kind of leading up to this like you know do you have feelings for someone like what's going on here both literally alluding me coming out basically but both of those situations i kind of shut them down you know i didn't have anjali my cushion or something like that soften the blow or whatever the fact that they were both tiptoeing towards telling both of them would be fine having anjali do it was a little bit easier in that regard but then we definitely talked about it in person i think the conversations after that had been I think difficult we kind of like worked through it and it, again I was like I was coming back and forth for like sporadically for a while but then you know you did your stuff on your own and kind of read and I think you and dad both talked about it independently Anjali's been in those conversations and then it's been an evolution I've seen Ritu and Mala I have a question for you did the lob kehenge what will people say come to your mind um I'll be honest yes at first it did very soon after I discussed it with my mother and my brother and let them know and I think that release actually came as a surprise that my mom was not like abrasive. I was amazed at the support that was there. So it became easier. For me, log, the log was my family, not friends. I could give a shit about what they would have thought, but it was more like mom, dad, husband, than anybody else. And my was more to do with how are they going to perceive my daughter? What are people going to say about my daughter? And then, I, like I said, the little thing in my brain, that was like, I think about my daughter and that's what's the most important thing. I'm proud of her. I love her. And what she's been through is hard. So I don't care anymore of what anybody thinks or says. I will support her 100%. I feel a little ashamed to say that it took me maybe two days to get to that understanding. It should not have done. I should not have. But I I guess that was just the process I had to go through. So since they have come out, how do you both feel? So I have to say something. I knew maybe what, six, seven years and first five were really hard. Then I'll just share something. I think my daughter was looking online, trying to get married. Finally, I got to me is one day we were talking and I don't know what happened. She was telling me about someone and it just triggered that I'm such a bad mom. I know everything that's happening in my daughter's life. And I don't know what's happening in my son's life because I never asked him what he's being through, how, you know, if he's ups and downs. And I think that once that thought came in my mind, I was just like, oh, F it all now. This is about me and my son. He needs to move on with his life. I'm being very selfish, like let him live his life. And not, it's not about me, but it took a long time. Very ashamed of that. But once that tube light or that light bulb went off, Oh, girl, there was like no stopping me. I was like telling Anand, when are you, when do you want to do it? And when we did tell everyone, like Ritu said, the support was absolutely incredible and the weight was lifted off my shoulders. I held it six, five, six, seven years. And I don't know how these kids held it as long as they did. 100% agree with what Mala just said. What they went through, what, what they went through was so much more than what we went through. I felt shame. This happened and I was not supportive when I could have been much more supportive in the younger years or in Sita's younger years. Today, I mean, she's a strong, capable woman, you know, living her life totally support everything she 
she does very proud of her and I love her and that's the most important thing but yeah when somebody asks me is your daughter going out with anyone or yeah I say you know she's um, bisexual I don't have any feelings of like can't speak about this I want her to have a fulfilled life so as parents what advice would you give future parents bringing up their kids and talking about sexuality any advice I would say this comes from, you know, growing up in a more traditional Indian family, we did not talk about sex and talk about sexuality. It was just taken for granted. You're, you're in a heterosexual relationship. The future of your kids will be that way. We knew that there, there's the LGBTQ community, it just doesn't occur for us to talk about it. So I came from that background and I continued the same thing with my children, which was wrong. We should have had more conversations, sexuality, about identity. We should have introduced more open dialogue, not keep things as if they were taboo. Have more open discussions, you know, understand it's a very important thing for the child's development to know that they're secure. They can come to you as a parent and talk about anything that they feel is going on in their life. They should not feel, oh my God, I cannot speak about this to my parents. Because as for them, the closest people in their life at a certain point are their parents. Who else can they turn to? In my case, um, same, you know, but again, it was a different generation. Um, I feel like maybe there might have been a couple of instances that I should have paid more attention and maybe ask on like, you know, guys more than girls. Because as a kid, and he was a child, he always played with the girls more than he did the guys and didn't do all the the jumping off the roof and like and thought of it as maturity. I'm like, my son's just an old soul in a young body and stuff. Were those triggers that I should have caught on or paid attention to? So if if you do have that, then it would be good to ask the question at even at a young age. Would that help? I don't know, Anand, Sita, do you think if parents questioned you at a young age, would that have made a difference in your life? In fact, I think for me, a big part of this was feeling like I'm in control. And if you asked me this, I have now lost all control of this, of the situation. Saying like, this was my story to tell, my secret to tell, my, my thing to come to terms with. Had you approached me before I had even understood what was going on, I would have felt very vulnerable and almost completely out of control. Not to say it's necessarily wrong. For me, I didn't want anyone probing into this until I knew I was secure and ready to handle that conversation. So if you had seen signs or had in any sort of clues or indications, take that, internalize it, but wait for the child, I think, wait for the child to be ready to, to have that conversation. Because those are just behaviors, mom. Like I could have just been not interested in jumping off the, the roof or whatever the boys were doing. Thank God. <laughs> you could break your leg. Well, and honestly, Every time I did play with the boys, I ended up breaking something and then mom would yell at me because like, Barbie, you, know, you broke your finger now. Like, now what do you do with this? So, you know, even that was like, okay, well, I'm not going to play basketball with them because they, they're rough and I'm just going to not. Look, not all of those are necessarily indicators or signs. But I, again, I think those are things you can certainly um, internalize, think about, and just be prepared if that day comes or when that day comes. But I, I still believe firmly that the child should feel they should be driving this conversation. This is not your story to pull out of them. Uh, Anand, how old were you when you first knew? I, I knew something was different around the age of 11 or 12. I didn't understand what the word gay actually meant in the world until I was about 14, 15, and uh, a matter of my life around this and survival. Survival mode kicked in for the next 10 years. All by yourself. Me and Sita and the whole world. <laughs> all of that. 
the rest of us going through it together. We were unknown. You know what I mean? Like it was still very quiet though at the time, I want to say. Thinking back, you know, back to high school and stuff where people were not out yet. You know, there are some people who I who are out now who I was like, I wish we had this like camaraderie almost. We had a community, but it was unknown. I can't even list one person who was out in high school. Same. And I think now it's probably different. I think yeah, we have to be clubs and things like that. Oh, gosh, that yeah. just wasn't a yeah, thing. And, and we're not even that old. And see, I know, right? I know. <laughs> say I knew something was different in elementary school, eight, nine, maybe it will go away. Like, you know what I mean? Like I thought, oh, maybe this is just temporary and I can just focus on, you know, trying to be a certain way or be like my friends. And it was very hard. My friend circle was very boy crazy and it, it was like in your face almost. So it felt I have to seek this out and do this. But I think with time, I think college was somewhat helpful because you had more exposure to different people. I, I'm very grateful for certain things, but again, like the limited exposure or the limited people who want to come out it was difficult traveling and then going to grad school like being in a different community and a very liberal community at that time was a huge catalyst i think that helped a lot with feeling comfortable and realizing actually that sorry to go back to kind of the advice thing agree i would never want to question a child i would not have wanted to be probed to ask that directly but i think what needs to happen though is undoing of the heteronormative talking like growing up in sex ed everything everything was always like man woman and that's kind of like it others are aberrations or things to be made fun of like people will joke about it whether or not they think in friends it was like a joke thing that people laughed at i wish that that was not the case i wish it was oh yeah okay they're in a same-sex relationship cool like good for them you know instead of the mockery i think that went along with it or like the silence like okay that's not appropriate we can't talk about lesbians or gay people we come across people kissing and stuff as kids this exposure happens so it's not probing your kid to ask them are you gay are you straight whatever but having and being more open about everything is normal all kinds of love are normal and we should embrace that instill that so that they feel comfortable enough to lead you to their exactly i agree i think it's it's not about probing the, the child i hope and i think it's more about knowing the child feels safe and supported when they do feel ready to, to mm -hmm. come out that their upbringing they have seen enough examples of inclusiveness of exactly. the parents shutting down the low gage. i'm not even saying it correctly but <laughs> you know if i saw enough maybe i'm just speaking for me but like if i saw you know a, someone who's different or a kid being and then i my parents said no no we don't we don't make fun of that no, shut that mm -hmm. down right now or mm -hmm. if that behavior was quashed and i was able to kind of see that consistently in my lifetime mm -hmm. then knowing that i have that backup that that, yeah. that much more comfortable coming out yes look is certainly something that everyone is naturally going to think um, but the more we can kind of crush that over time, the child starts to, I think, see that um, it doesn't matter. My parents are going to back it up anyway. Anand and Sita, what were your oh. biggest concerns about coming out? I think, obviously, my biggest concern was of Logyakeng, or like at least my family. What are they going to say? I kind of knew my sister, my younger cousins, half my friends, I want to say, actually, would be supportive. My main concern was how am I going to be perceived? Like, I'm concerned with the stereotype, very worried about the image, and it's wrong because then I also have these perceived stereotypes in my head. I think initially that was the biggest concern. Over time and growing up, a lot of ways, regardless of sexuality even, I stopped caring as much about what other people thought about my own personal life. And then also saw that kids, I used to teach to all-girls school and those girls, so many at a young age who are coming out, there were some people who transitioned actually during their time at Lincoln. Seeing this communities become more open-minded to me, kind of eventually let that get or like, what are people going to think mindset away and I wish I didn't have that mindset to begin with. I'm hoping nowadays that that is a little bit less for this next generation. Yeah, I would say 
I had kind of two concerns. I remember these very distinctly when I kind of realized what gay meant, kind of what the social perspective of was it back in 2004. So I think when it, for me, the initial instinct was, okay, what's the worst case scenario? And how do I start planning for that? So the worst case scenario is X, right? Disowned by the family, kicked out of the house. I have no money. I have no shelter. I have no food. What do I do about all of these? This was when I was about 14, 15. And that's where my mind was at, right? Like, how do I survive this? Should this come out? How do I survive? Whose door can I knock on to go spend the night? Do I have money? Do I have food? Can I go to school? That's a crazy place for a 14 year old to be, but that's where my head was. Cause again, it was about control. If this happened, how do I control the outcome? Worst case. And then it was, okay, maybe it's not worst case. Maybe it's second best worst case. What do I do? Then do I have a car? Do I have means of this, that? And then I started building up my kind of arsenal. And then it was about, okay, what I do have control on is my education. So be the best you can and control this. And that's all you focus on. This piece of my life, this emotional, heavy secret, table it, focus on where you have control, where you're going to be able to survive, right? And that's being able to take care of yourself and have the means to run away if you need to and escape and live life. And if you have to, right? My head was there for about seven years, eight years. And then it was also, okay, now if this does come out, will mom and dad and my sister, how will they survive this? Will they be able to survive this? And are they going to be able to fight those battles? Or is this a huge burden that's going to dismantle the family dynamic and the structure? And do am I setting them up for failure here? Passing a burden onto someone else? Those were the big concerns. It's like, how do I make the best of this? Which to me was still very much a problem. To Sita's point, I think over time, you tell your friends, you start to chip away at these insecurities. You start to see that you tell someone and life, nothing changes. They just, they're like, okay, cool. And then we go on. And you start to see that. You start to practice a little bit more. You start to develop your own sense of self and confidence. And it took a lot of that chipping away for me to finally say, now I'm ready to tell the family because I know I can survive this. Those, I think for me, were like the personal concerns at 14, 16 of how do I make sure everyone's going to be okay? That's huge, Anna, that 14, carrying all that and thinking about that. Yes. In retrospect, yes. I also just thought that's what 14-year-olds think about. I, I, I didn't know anything besides this. I just thought, yeah, all the kids are dealing with their own crap and they're all thinking about survive. I didn't know that this was unique to potentially my situation or story. So as isolating as it can be, I had created a sense of my own community thinking everyone was doing the same thing. We acknowledge the, the privilege that, that we've had growing up in, I would say, nuclear families in Southern California, the mid-2000s, I think, largely. So dual-income households, I think our stories are certainly universal in some ways, but also not inclusive of the range of stories that are out there and certainly not showing the how troubling some some of these issues can be in with other factors, geopolitical intersectionality and, and, and whatnot. I think there's a lot more complexity here than, than we're able to speak to, but at least I'm hoping our stories can resonate with some of that to at least be able to say like there, there is some commonality that we all share as a community, um, but we cannot speak to the, the range of, of experiences of everyone. I think Anand, you covered it really well. It's a great point. It's also, it's always good kind of personally to acknowledge and reflect on that. I've had my struggles and of course, you know, that's a personal thing, but I should always remember within this community there, there's a range of different stories and 
backgrounds and it's a privilege to be born in this kind of time where people are a little bit more accepting had i been born 50 years earlier i might have had to live a secret for my whole life like you know there are different um privilege that privileges that we have with literally just our you know time and place of birth and you know who our family is we can acknowledge that and hopefully you know do our best to help those who are potentially less fortunate and help them. So Mala and Rita, do you have any last words you would like to share or comment on? So first of all, I want to thank Anand and Sita be being on the show with us today. It's been wonderful having their words that we are listening to. Yes, what could I have done better? Not have so many heteronormative conversations in the house. When Sita was young, typical, you know, oh, you're going to get married, you're going to have a prince or come on a horse and this, that, and the other. And it was so ingrained in our society to talk like that. Why couldn't I change the conversation and say partner? Because that's open to whoever she wants to be with in the future. And I honestly did not think about it at the time, but now I do. It's been an education. I could have done things better and I wish I had. No, same. I agree. Um, in Anand's case, it was just the opposite. I remember when he was little, I was dressing up for garbas and um, he liked something, some jewelry. And he's like, oh, mom, that's really pretty or it looks good on you or something. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll give it to your wife when, you know, you get married and stuff, you know, but just comments like that, that you just don't think about. The other thing is also I, if people in a party are making fun, making fun or like being derogatory, we need to speak up and be advocates and say, this is not funny. This is yes. not right. Um, and I think we did that a lot, not knowing yeah. because our generation, the men's generation didn't know better, but now we do. So I think now, you know, it's time for us to speak up and just not be afraid to yeah. flow because everybody else is laughing, laugh with them. No, absolutely. That was such an important thing that Mala just said. Thank you for saying that. I want to say, Ritu, Sita, Mala, and Anand, thank you so much for sharing your journey, your thoughts, your feelings, including me in such a special part in this discussion. You're very touched. Look, I think Sita and I would love to at least leave some mm -hmm. words for any kids that yeah. are listening. Or I, I feel like, look, we didn't even get a chance to tell you how great this all ended up, right, for us. Mm -hmm. So. Exactly. I want to make sure we're telling the positive outcome of, of all of this. And so uh, maybe Sita, if you want to. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I think to me, what comes to mind is seeing that this next generation, there may be kids who are struggling, who are dealing with this secret or like you're living a double life. I am grateful that that seems to be kind of evolving out of that, like feeling more comfortable communities everywhere now that are kind of becoming stronger in this positive towards the LGBTQ community. There is definitely still work to be done. Things get better, you know, like you grow up and you realize, okay, there are so many people who are like you. I've met gay or lesbian or bi friends before, people who were out before. And now I actually have been to several weddings of my friends who are you know, identify in this community and it feels like we exist and, you know, it's to be celebrated and things are definitely getting better. Parents, you know, are evolving. Like, thank goodness you guys are open and progressive and, you know, wanting to talk about this stuff. We are moving in the right direction. There is community and there's people out there who care. So yes, it does get better. I look, honestly, I always thought that phrase was such a cliche. I heard it all the time. 
until I lived it and I, and I felt it. And so, um, yes, trust me, it does. It doesn't always happen at the same time for everybody. It could take 10 years, five years, 20 minutes. Every story I've heard is very different. But, uh, one thing that I wish I knew, um, at 14 in planning my survival pact with myself, I'm not alone. There, there are others that have done it and survived it and thrived in, in their lives. And I, I wish I had known, I knew a face or a name or a story behind being gay and Indian in, in America or in India or anywhere that it's okay. And that their families still talk to them and that everyone's fine and they make their own money and they do their own thing and they live their lives and they're happy in relationships. So I, you know, more role model, role models, I hope are coming out. This is a great platform to do that. Not that we're role models by any means, but I hope it just shows people that you're not alone, that there is a community for you. Parents are becoming more and more of that initial community, which is amazing. I'm super proud of, of the three of you ladies for doing this and speaking up. If we can even just influence or, or help share a little bit with someone else, I think we've we've changed somebody's world and, and that's enough to, to make this worth it. So thank you for giving us the platform, for giving yourselves the opportunity to kind of reflect and, and be introspective in all of this. And, and we'll continue to share our stories and live our lives. Thank you. So Mala and Ritu, did you have any last words or comments to add? So um, basically, I just want to say, I think of myself as a very outgoing, open-minded, hip, cool person. Um, but yet when Anand talked to me, I realized the first thought that came in my mind, as he mentions, it was and it was always worried about my family, worried about my husband. I didn't worry about my child and that's a shame. So um, I think, you know, as parents, we need to be aware of that, take up your time a little bit, but also make an effort to um, get help because don't make the same mistake I did. Don't take five years or six years, you know, help your child. Yes, exactly what Mala said, same for me. I realized one thing that my daughter had told me at one time, and which was, mom, if this was a choice that I'm making, why would I take the harder road of being not accepted? I could be heterosexual and be, that would be the easy way, but this is not a choice. This is who I am. This is who I am born as. That made me realize as well, this isn't a choice. This is, it's a spectrum. So it was a learning experience for me. I'm so glad that, that I have been blessed with a daughter identifying in the LGBTQ community so that I can be more accepting and understanding and help those children out there who are struggling to come out and those parents who are maybe going through difficult time understanding and accepting them. Thank you, Ritu and Mala for sharing that with us. I'm sure this message will help a lot of other parents who are going through this. So thank you so much for sharing your journey. Till we meet again, Remember, life is not short. Life is unpredictable. So always, always strive to stay happy. And add a little spice to your life. And join us again for a little chit chat and chat.